Welcome to AI Marketing, a podcast for sales and marketing professionals that want to increase their sales, leads, and conversions through the use of artificial intelligence solutions. And now, here's your host, Mark Fridelman. GigaOM CEO and author of The Fourth Age, you won't meet a bigger proponent of AI in business than Byron Reese. He currently hosts the Voices in AI podcast, and it's our pleasure to have him on today to discuss why we shouldn't fear artificial intelligence. Byron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. Can you give us a little bit of a background on your experience in AI, which is quite extensive, your book, and, and everything having to do with artificial intelligence? I'm a dot-com guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started a bunch of companies and uh, you know, and had a full range of out- outcomes. But kind of in my personal life, I got really interested in the dialogue that was happening about artificial intelligence. And I noticed that there were two different viewpoints that it, it really surprised me because they were so very different, and yet they were knowledgeable people. You had people like um, Elon Musk and the late Stephen Hawking and Bill Gates who said we should fear artificial intelligence. And then you had people like uh, Zuckerberg who said that's reckless. And or Andrew Ng, who um, you know is one of the, the big thinkers, says those kinds of things are like worrying about overpopulation on Mars. And I got really interested in that. It's like, why did these people, what did they know that I didn't know? And what did they know that each other didn't know? And that's when I got into artificial intelligence. So it was a journey for me. I mean, it, this was over the course of years, though. And I, um, you know, I mean, I got into it in a, in a I think, a, a pretty heavy and serious way. Yeah. And uh, ended up writing a book about it and started two podcasts and recorded a couple of hundred videos about it and coded and, you know, tried to get my arms around it. And that's how, how I came to be here. Okay. And I kind of had the same journey, although I stopped for a while because I'm like, the world's not ready for this. And business especially isn't ready for it. I still don't think they are. But I do start to see a lot of different people like yourself and, and others that are looking at it and thinking about how they can incorporate it in their, in their business. In particular, as you know, the show's about marketing. But before we jump into that, I, I, I heard a quote from you that uh, I'd love for you to kind of reconcile for me. And that is, you said, stories are central to humanity, for they give, gave form to human imagination, which is the first requisite for progress. How do you reconcile that statement with your all-in position on AI? Well, I, I wrote this book called The Fourth Age because an observation I made and, and, it, and it's unfortunate so many other fourth books came out and like everybody should get on the same page or pick a different number or something. But it seems <laughs> to me that, you know, your body uses like a hundred watts of power. That's it. That's all you have. And what we did is we learned how to use like an ox, which is another 200 watts of power and to increase what we could do. But then along the way, we learned a trick. And that trick was technology. It was an ability to multiply what we we're able to do. And... And because of that, you use, if you're an American, 10,000 watts of power constantly. So you've multiplied what you're able to do a hundredfold, basically. And so what I did is I looked back across time and I said, well, what have been the times that a new technology has come out that just changed us forever? And I think there have been three of them in the past. The fourth one, I think, is artificial intelligence. But with regards to the quote you, you offered, I think the first one happened 100,000 years ago, and that's when we got fire. 
And the reason fire was important is it let us cook our food. And when you cook food, you release calories in it. Uh, a a well-done steak has more calories than a rare steak because they're more digestible. And what happened is that's when we grew our brains to be big, and that's when we got language. And so I used to always say language was the thing that made us human. Language. But then I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, it seems that animals have language, right? They, they can say, alert, alert, or I want to mate, or any number of other things. And so it's like, what's different about what we do with language that's different than what an animal does with it? And I think it's that we tell stories. And, you know, we tell stories like, huh, I remember when, you know, Og went up and pulled that saber-toothed tiger's tail, and that didn't go well. And I can imagine if I go up and pull the tail, I can imagine what happens. And so I think we started telling these stories, and that's what said, well, what if I did this? And how about that? And what might happen if I went up to the mountain to find more berries or what have you? And so I think stories gave form to human imagination. We could imagine things that didn't exist, and we could talk about them to each other, and we could tell these stories. And then if you are imagining things that don't exist, maybe you make those things, and maybe you... Um, Maybe, maybe that's where progress comes from. We imagine a better world, and then we build that world. Or we imagine a way to destroy things better, and we build that. And so I, I kind of think that's it. I love stories. You know, the oldest one that survives, kind of, that we know, the oldest written one is, is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And it must be thousands of years older than our written copy. And it's a story of a guy who wanted to figure out how to live forever. And he figured out it's impossible that, what you've got to do is do things in this life worth remembering forever. And, and so it's stuff like that, I think, that made people think of like that. That It's more than just language, more than just I, I, I have words. I make noises that represent things. Okay. The, and this is all about humanity, right? I mean, stories are told by humans. Are you kind of inferring or not that, AI will begin to tell stories, or at least the story of AI. Or well, Yeah, the, the book I wrote never really talks about what I think. The book I wrote says, here are the questions that will answer that. Because, and, the, and, and the answer to that is based on how you answer a certain question. And the question is, are, are you a machine? Are, are, are you, Mark, a machine? And the, if you're a machine then someday we will build mechanical people. And those mechanical people, or brains, mechanical brains, will get double in ability, and they will, they will dwarf us in their capabilities. And, and that, that's the, the scenario that some people are afraid of. If you're not a machine, then no. To answer your question, no. There's no machine that can be built that can do the kinds of things humans can do. Now, the fascinating thing is on, on my podcast about AI, I ask all of my guests, are you a machine? And what's interesting is 95 of 100, literally, I can tell you who the ones that aren't, 95 of 100 say, yes, I'm a machine. And, and, and they say, you know, what else would I be? But then when I put that same question on my website, are you a machine? Only 15% of the people on my website, the general population, uh, believe they're machines. And that's the great disconnect. The people in Silicon Valley largely believe they're machines. 
And if you have that mechanistic reductionist view of what a human is, then eventually they'll do everything we can do. And they'll do it all better than us. But if we're not machines, then no, they'll, they'll never tell us. I, I would add a question that says, do you think you're in a machine? Because I'm 50-50 on whether we're in one right now. The simulation hypothesis. Yes. Again, I explored in the book. And, and see, that's why I don't answer the question, are you a machine, in the book. Nobody's, nobody's buying my book for me to tell them. They have an opinion about that already. I'm just trying to structure it so you can plug in your own things. Likewise with the simulation hypothesis. Uh, I, I, I discuss it and I argue, you know, argue both sides and all that. I don't believe it because, but, but that's a personal opinion. Because yeah, if, we're not, if we're not machines, so right now you, you can feel warmth, mm -hmm. but a machine can measure temperature. And those are two very different things. And... And the difference between those two things is consciousness. We experience the world, whereas machines right now measure it. To, to support the simulation hypothesis, I feel warmth. And therefore, if I'm in a machine, machines must be able to be conscious. Uh, and I, I, I personally do not think people are machines. And, and I, I don't even have to appeal to anything particularly spiritual or magical or anything like that to hold that view. I just don't believe that we are uh, that we are machines. Yeah, so I, I look at and play occasionally with my 14-year-old son. I play his video games. I don't know if you've been immersed in these worlds or if you've seen them. And I think to myself, these are very realistic worlds and simulations. Now, let's project out the video game industry a thousand years. Do you have any idea what could a video game would look like a thousand years from now? So I'm thinking, I take the next step after I said, okay, so if we could do it in a thousand years, imagine what previous civilizations could have done billions of years ago. And maybe we're just in one of their simulations. You know, there might but that be would imply you're real and you just happen to be on the holodeck, right? Well, I'm not sure that I'm real. I mean, I'm... But you experience the world. You feel warmth. And therefore, if, if, if either one of two things are true, either machines can feel warmth or you're not a machine. Yeah, well, I mean, in a thousand years, uh -huh. could, could I be in a video game and be self-reflective? I think uh -huh. so. Why couldn't uh -huh. that be programmed? Why couldn't that be learned? And, and why can't that happen? And so are we in somebody's simulation? I don't know. I'm 50-50 on it as well. I'm well, not for sure. Let, and I, the, the, the most important takeaway I want to offer your listeners is the conversation you and I are having right now is about this technology, general intelligence, uh, an AI that's as clever as people are, that's creative, that can teach itself new things. Everybody is in agreement that we don't know how to do that. Everybody, even everybody is. That's why the, the, the estimations of when we're going to get it vary so much from people to people. The kind of AI we know how to do is very different. And nobody's afraid of that. Nobody says your spam filter is going to take over the world. Nobody says your self-driving car is going to wake up and, and have an agenda of its own. In fact, when I ask AI experts, is what we build today the first baby steps towards building this general intelligence? They're split 50-50. So half of them say no. We, we haven't even started building the general intelligence. And, and Mark, nobody, the number of people even working on that is I can count them on two hands. Yeah. 
um, OpenAI, uh, MIT, Carnegie Mellon, the federal government, etc. The kind of AI we know how to do today, which I don't think should give anybody any of these kind of existential concerns, is a really simple idea. And it says, let's take data about the past and let's study it, and then let's make projections into the future. That's all it is. Uh, we call that machine learning. We're better now at collecting a lot of data, we're better at studying it, and we're better at making projections. That's all we know how to do. And the trick with that kind of AI and, and, and your marketing audience, I, I would encourage you to think of it this way, is that works when the future is like the past. So a cat tomorrow looks like a cat yesterday, so we can use cat data to train to pick it out. Uh, when you look around an enterprise, I would, I would argue, look for things where the data you have about the past is going to be very similar to what's going to happen in the future. So you may, you may say, um, okay, we have, um, we have a thousand employees and some get great performance reviews and others get bad ones. And we have all their resumes. So could I say, here are the resumes of the people that turned out to be great and here are the resumes of the people that didn't. Now use that to score future resumes. And that is exactly what artificial intelligence does right now. It, but, but that's the limit of what it can do. Um, it doesn't do anything more than that. It's, it's stumped stupid. Like it, it, it can take your data and make projections about the future. So there's nothing about the technology. You know, the only difference between, I think, machine learning and just old-fashioned big data or data science is just like, uh, you know, extra $50,000 that you have to pay the programmer. I mean, I don't know that there's really a practical difference between, between those two things. And, and so when you think of that way as a marketer, it shouldn't be an intimidating kind of technology. And, and we can talk about how, how marketers kind of, I think, should ease into this, to using the kind of AI we know how to use already. I mean, it's a, it's a very fair point. And I'm glad, though, that we have that foundation from what you just laid out in some of my comments. Because, and I'd like your opinion on this. I mean, what percent of businesses do you think are even ready for AI, much less implementing it? Well, the other thing everybody should know about artificial intelligence is there is no consensus definition on what it is. And the reason that is, is kind of interesting. It's because there's no agreed upon definition of intelligence. And that's why, like, every startup can say, oh, we're an AI startup. So I will ask, answer your question this way. If you look at two different definitions on two extremes, I would give you a different answer. So one, the easiest, the lowest bar is AI or systems that react to their environment. So uh, a cat food dish that refills itself when it runs low on cat food, it's artificial intelligence. It's low on cat food, it fills it back up. So that kind of AI is something I think most enterprises use today. The other one is um, systems that learn as you use them. So like a Nest thermometer. The more you use it, the more it's different. Your Nest thermometer becomes different than mine. And that is a much higher bar. And, and you have to be an enterprise of a certain large size to be doing things like that. I think of companies that... Um, I know of one uh, private jet company that they, they had this problem of like, where do we leave our jets overnight to try to sell them the next day? 
You spend the money to fly it to Columbus, hoping somebody in Columbus. And so they build this system that learns as, as it goes and makes predictions when it was right and when it was wrong. You think of Amazon making product suggestions. So the bar, though, there's kind of three levels. One is you can use, a, as an enterprise, you can use AI, uh, you know, download a, an app on your phone that does whatever. And you're using it. You didn't code it. And it's not even your data. But you're using it to aid your business. And that, every mom, pop, dry cleaners uh, should be, and I'm sure is doing that, if they use um, an app to route their truck, delivery truck. If your pizza place you and, you and your driver uses a, a mapping app to get them somewhere, they're using AI to do the business. Mm -hmm. The second step up is you use off-the-shelf uh, products, but you feed them your own data. And I think you probably have to be, I don't know, 30 or 30 developers kind of size where that, and this is a rough number. Yeah. And then the last one where you're coding things yourself, probably, um, you know, 500 developers. Those are, those are big projects. I do, I do want to just challenge what I just said though. And there's a story, a true story about a cucumber farmer in Japan and their Google programmer who uh, his mom and dad run this cucumber farm. And you have to sort cucumbers by four different things, how bumpy they are, how long they are, how two other things. I don't, I'm, I'm not a cucumber guy. And uh, his mom would spend all day sorting cucumbers. And he just got an Arduino and uh, a Linux box and a Raspberry Pi and a digital camera and used Kubernetes. And he wrote a system that sorted those. It, it, it learned, and then it would sort them. So that's the kind of use case you can do. And if, and if AI makes sense to sort cucumbers, then it makes sense to do a lot of other things. And, of course, the caveat is that's a Google programmer who's doing it kind of as a passion project. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, an enterprise would be able to pull that off. But, or, or get a lot of people on board to do something like, like that to replace how they're currently sorting cucumbers, for example. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you get 50% of the cucumber sorting market, you still aren't going to retire early, right? At, at, at all. I, I think, in, you know, in our context, you know as well as I do that marketers are now at the point where they're collecting <laughs> a lot of data. And what they do today is they throw data scientists at it which is fine. You know, it's, uh, I'm glad to see it. We've been advocating for it for a long time. So there's a lot of people looking at the data, at least they're collecting the data, but that data can also be fed into an artificial intelligence type system. And I agree it hasn't really been defined yet. Uh, I, I think there could be a tighter definition that, you know, the general community comes up with, but I don't even see much of that happening where data is being fed into these AI systems and there's been some intelligent outputs as a result of, of feeding into something that will analyze it on its own and come up with either predictions or with suggestions. The closest thing I've seen at scale are chatbots, but uh, I don't know, Byron, if you've seen anything out there, at least in the marketing context that you could point to where we see mass adoption. No, I think that's fair. I, and, and for a couple of reasons, too, I, I've noticed that when people feel like they got some edge that they're using it 
artificial intelligence in a in a new and innovative way. They never talk about it. Yeah, they're like um, stock traders that that, that do exactly. it. Exactly. And so uh, there isn't a lot of like because um, I was going to start like a use case blog where people come on and talk about their successes with it. Um, yeah, and, and uh, podcast. I mean, and that didn't go very well. Why uh, is that? Because it, really just a lot of people didn't want to come on and, and do that. I had a guest on the show yesterday, though, that I just recorded. And he has a company that um, he says what they do is go in and, and take every sales quote a company ever did. And they know some of them got sales and some didn't. And they try to figure out words and phrases and things like that that the successful ones had that the other ones didn't. And they claim double to triple digit improvements. Mm. Uh, so you hear lots of anecdotal stories about that. Yeah. But, but certainly marketing automation already, the kind of marketing automation systems, you know, you can pay $59 a month to use or $590 a month to use. They do have um, AI built into them to, uh, to some degree. Again, it's all if you keep the definition pretty low. It's like, are we taking data and studying it and making predictions that we then try out and refine our predictions into the future? If, if you're iterating on it, then that is done. But most people don't want to call that artificial intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, but there are systems out there and maybe they're more homegrown that are, that, I, that I've heard about, I haven't really seen them yet, that are doing some pretty amazing analysis. Uh, and I don't know if the NSA is doing this or the CIA or FBI, but it, it's those types of, of systems that are analyzing data at scale and providing some real intelligence for, for humans to act on. Well, yeah, that, that's where you're talking about things like Watson, IBM yeah. Watson, reading all the medical journals and... Um, making suggestions about how to treat cancer. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on, on the government aspect of it, and I'm, I'm an optimist about the future. I think we use technology to increase our productivity, and that is how we got where we are today. Right. And I'm very bullish on us. Technology is good for everybody because increasing your productivity is always good. If it isn't, you should advocate everybody goes to work with one arm tied behind their back. And we lower everybody's productivity. And, and what would that do? Well, you need twice, you create a bunch of jobs. You need twice as many people to do anything. But productivity would fall, so wages would fall. Artificial intelligence makes people smarter. It's like there's no way that's bad. However, um, it does have these implications on privacy that you just touched on. And the only reason we really had privacy in history is because there's just so many of us. You can't follow everybody. You can't listen to every phone conversation. Uh, the thing is with AI, you can. And you can listen to, you know, uh, AI can read lips now uh, as well as a human lip reader. So every camera that, you know, uh, even if it doesn't have a mic, can tell what you're saying. And here's the, the chilling part is that the, the tools we build to do all kinds of good things, like read through medical journals and look for new ways to diagnose things. Those are the exact same tools that read through what everybody says and looks for certain kinds of behavior. So you can't just like not build the tool. You have to make sure you don't use the tool that way. 
otherwise you do end up in, in a dystopian sort of deal, and we see examples of that already around the world. Mm. Well, okay, so let's let's stay within that kind of vein, or actually move away from it, if if you feel like we should, and let's talk about AI enhancing or helping marketers with all that data. We know there could be a dystopian view of what could happen, and and we know that marketers are under fire right now for you know having too much data and uh, all of the privacy concerns. Do you see an ethical way forward or a way forward for AI and marketing to take data like that and use it ethically in order to, to make more sales? You know, the, the way I look at it, Byron, just to give you kind of a little bit of a preview is I think the better armed marketers are with information, they can target you correctly and we're not all seeing this, these spam ads or ads that have nothing to do with us. Um, they're able to kind of tailor it to our needs with the timing and the, you know, maybe that's uh, the point in our lives where we need it the most. That to me is a positive output and a positive outcome. And so I'm, I'm hoping we go that direction and not some other uh, direction that's, that's going to end up being negative for all of us. Oh, I, I think we definitely will. I think you're right on. What what you hear about are the times when it makes a suggestion that a human can look at it and say, wow, maybe that's not the time to be trying to sell somebody a casket. Uh, right, like... Um, yeah, well, there's two AIs, one on your side, one on the advertiser's side. Uh, and one on my side says, no, Mark will never be interested in that, so don't show it to him. Right. Okay, that might be a way forward. Right, but I mean, there, there are times when, yeah, fair enough. But I, I will say this, I bought something on Amazon, and yeah. I don't know what it was, a book or something, and it said, would you also like to buy this? Yeah. Salt and pepper shakers that are little robots, and you wind them up, and they walk across the table to whoever needs them, and I'm like, of course I want to buy that. Wow. Um, and of course I bought that, and the thing wow. is, is there's somebody like me who bought that same book who also bought those. And, and that, that is what, what we want. I did, you know, if it showed me something that I didn't want, it's, you're right, it's noise at that point. Um, and so, I, you know, I think all of these tools, if marketing is fundamentally about delivering a message to somebody, you know, there's a product and you want to, to match it to a person, you want to match it to the right person, and you want to convey to them what it uh, is and why they need it, and you want to price it in a way that's accessible to them and works for you, and all the rest. If that is uh, the essence of, of marketing, then you're right. It's driven off data. And what has, and you're entirely right about that, too, that it has become easier to collect the data than to use the data. And so we're just in that, that uncomfortable spot. And the reason we haven't kept up with how to use it is there's just this gigantic labor shortage. If you, if we, if we outlawed further developments in AI, no more, that's it, we're done, it would take 10 or 15 years for what we know how to do today to apply it everywhere it can be used. Um, and, and so there are just very few people who are adept at this. And I should point out, it isn't because it's that difficult. It's because we just haven't graduated. And so it isn't that it, you have to have a giant brain to, to do this stuff. Um, you just have to 
have been trained. And now you're getting a whole generation of people who are learning all of this. And you're getting uh, toolkits that make it really easy. And you're getting uh, open source kits. And, and you know, you're getting this whole ecosystem where we can start knocking these problems off really quickly once we have enough people. Uh, but right now there's just a labor shortage and there are too many things to do with it and there's too much data. And so it's the big problems that rise up to the top. And so, you know, you mentioned the stock traders, right? Like they, their stuff moves, you know, big dollars. So they go first and big companies get leveraged. So they hire the talent to, you know, do their stuff. And eventually it's going to come to all of us and we'll, it'll, It'll make all of our businesses better. Our our descendants, you think about how marketers work now, and not your audience, of course, but uh, you know, most of the time people are driven off anecdotal evidence. They like or you know, some some static view of the of, of their market, some simplified you know, we we're, we're really bad at kind of keeping big complex data sets in our head and and so we and, and so our descendants are going to look at us like we were drunken sailors on shore leave, just sort of like staggering through life, making these random decisions based on anecdotal evidence. And every now and then we get it right. Uh, and they're, they're going to be like, you know, then we learned how to use data to make these decisions. Mm -hmm. The world became better. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that's the future. I don't know if it's a year from now or 10 years from now. Or maybe a lot longer, depending on how things go, because it's it's another level of, of thinking. Uh, pardon the pun to, to get the mindset around AI and how it could be incorporated into your your company. I, I haven't seen a true uh, what I call a Pokemon moment where you know in in, the, in terms of AR, you know, once the Pokemon game came out, yeah. you know, that, there was a a mass adoption of that game. I haven't seen that in AI yet in terms of Really, I mean, I'm sure you can say a low, low grade version of that, like Waze, is is mass adoption. But I'm talking about something that's, you know, more uh, what you and I think of AI, which is a higher intelligent uh, program or solution that uh, thinks for itself, or it appears to be thinking for itself, based on. Well, the what, what do you think about um, just suggesting products you might want to buy? Why is that not AI to you, what Amazon does? Because, you know, I've, my family buys on Amazon, so uh -huh. it's a bunch of different products. It's not intelligent okay. enough to know. Uh, what yeah. about how your email starts suggesting words as you're typing them? Does it get it right enough that that impresses you? No. Um, and it's two or three words, and it's not really. Well, you know, that particular example I wouldn't have ever done, because if you want to talk about, when is the future not like the past? Uh, speech is probably it. Like, you know, you can't guess the next word I'm going to say. Like, right. Rutabaga. See, who, who saw that coming? Uh, <laughs> well, shouldn't should the email system examine everything you've ever written and just yeah. say, hey, based on what you've written, this is probably how you'd respond. That, and that's what, I, that's what I call, okay, yeah. that's an AI yeah, solution. We don't have that yet. We don't have that yet. You're right. Exactly. So you're, you're saying, hey, look, the tech, Maybe they're in outline form, but it doesn't work so flawlessly that we just sort of count on it. Well, I look at Siri. I look at all the, even Alexa. They don't even get, get it right 50% of the time. <clears throat> We're not even close to passing the Turing test, in, in, in my opinion. That so is once, true. once we get something that works most of the time, uh, 
you know, and I say 75% or greater, uh, then I'm thinking, okay, this is real AI at scale, and this is going to be the Pokemon moment for, for AI. That, that's just my opinion of it. I know there's several people that disagree with me, but, but that's how I think. You know, um, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. That's a, a reasonable, a reasonable bar. You know, the Turing test uh, is, I don't, I'll, I'll make a prediction. Is it going to be passed anytime soon? Yeah, I don't think so. The very first question I ask every system, very first question is, what's bigger, the nickel or the sun? And I've never even found one that gets that. Well, they could program that, but. Well, no, they're, they're doing now, but then I just say, what's bigger, a nickel or a banana? And then uh, they don't anymore. I mean, like, okay. just that basic, simple common sense stuff is I would ask it based on my tone of voice what am I how how do I feel right now yeah I would be angry or sad or good luck it's not going to happen anytime soon but um well let let's let's get to the last question because I I know you talk a lot about this and I'm very interested in your answer and I'm sure our audience is uh Byron do you think AI will steal marketing jobs or or is that a myth um I believe it is a myth. I believe it is a myth. So, how, how would it? And, and it's interesting. I, the reason you heard my long pause is I was going to question you about your use of the word steal. I mean, that, that gives it some amount of willfulness, and that means it like snuck in at night and erased you from the HR database and put itself in. Uh, but, but putting that, the word steal aside for a minute, do I think that? There will be fewer marketing jobs in the future. No. Um, and, and I would say this. You know, people often go back and say, well, electricity, and well, there's something like that. They didn't talk. You don't have to do that. You can just go back to the internet. So if you went back 25 years, that's when Firefox came out. No, the Mosaic browser. Yeah, the Mosaic browser. And, and you said, hey, look at this. Look at this thing. In 25 years, billions of people are going to use it. What's that going to do to jobs? You might have said, well, um, no more travel agents and no more stockbrokers and uh, yellow pages are going under and uh, newspapers are going to have a hard time. And you would have been right about everything, everything. But you would have missed all that was created. You wouldn't have ever said, but there'll be eBay, Etsy, Airbnb, Uber, Google, Amazon, a million new companies, jobs that didn't even exist, and all of that. So what a marketer, and so you can only see half the equation. You can say, well, it's going to you know, hurt this job. But you can't, you know, my kids are going to be short wranglers. It doesn't even exist. And so the reason I, I would say that about marketers in particular is, is the need for what marketers do going to go up or down? As, as people... Um, have more data coming to them and they have more choice. That's, that's what it's, and they can pick between more things and more things can be created and new products can be made with a market of one. And when pricing all of this new world, this idea that, you know, something comes out and it goes on the shelf at Walmart and then we walk by and say, Oh, I would like, I would like that and buy it. Like that's, that's an old, old world. You know, the, the, the world of tomorrow is going to be much more exciting and dynamic, and, and that's going to require people in the end. So it's a great time to be a marketer. I wouldn't, like, 
learn Java and decide to leave or anything like that. Uh, it's helpful to understand technology, but I'm, I'm bullish on marketers. Okay. Well, that's, I am too. I mean, I, I think historically when you look at technology, anytime technology has been deployed, it does take, I think it does take jobs, let's be honest, but it allows us to have more uh, or higher paid jobs. It allows us to move up levels so that we, we can deploy our human skills towards exactly complex pro- problems. Mm-hmm. And then that, those are just higher paying jobs. I, I only see it as a net positive. Um, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, but, but, but that's how I see it. I would love to wrap this up. Byron, I think we're going to have to have an, another conversation uh, in the next couple, couple of months. But you, you had said that uh, your favorite chat bot or AI voice app was Pandora Bots. Uh, dot com slash Mitsuku. Could you kind of explain what that is and, and why you? Well, I, I'm, I'm. You put me on the spot with that question. <laughs> uh, I love chatbots in the sense that the fact they even ever work is really incredible. Yeah. Right? Like, like, let's all let's like give them you know a round of applause. It's like wow. I just said, what are your operating hours? And you answered me. And uh, is there a location in me? And answered me and all that. But I did, a, I did an article uh, where I found a dozen questions that when I asked Alexa and Google Home the same question, they gave me different answers. Mm-hmm. And these questions you would think they would agree on, like how many hours are in a year and who designed the American flag? And the reason that they differed on them um, with the first one, for instance, is one gave you a 365-day year, however many hours that is, and one is 365.24 days, which is a solar year. That's a real year. It's not a calendar year. But they didn't know to say, what well, do you mean a real year, a calendar year, or a solar year? Likewise, who designed the American flag? One said Betsy Ross, and one said, I think, Robert Heck. And I'm like, well, who's Robert Heck? And he's the guy that designed the 50 star configuration of flag. Yeah. And so then it didn't say, well, do you mean the current flag or the original flag? And so. But would humans say that? Humans wouldn't say that either, would they? Um, well, you're right that humans can fall into those same two traps. Yeah. But AIs can never do it. I mean, chatbots never ask clarifying questions. Yeah. They, they just don't yet because right. they're and, and a person would be like well the United States hasn't had this one flag what do you mean but, but you're right one of them that they answered differently was um, who's buried in Grant's tomb you know the answer to that one yeah probably Grant yeah yeah that, that's answer number one and then you know the, the, the one level up from that is Grant and his wife but the one level up from that is no one you don't bury people in I heard that joke and I get caught on it every time. Yeah, there you go. But one of them got it and one of them didn't. What do you mean? The interesting thing is, I ran that article and uh, an hour after it ran, Alexa had updated all their answers. By that, doesn't mean there's not another group. And now, if you ask it, it's going to say, well, the original flag was designed by Betsy Ross, but the current flag was designed. Um, but but there's an infinitude of those. So the chatbot I listed uh, gets a lot of questions right that I, I'm very impressed by. But it, 
as you know, it, it, but but there's a limit to, to what the technology can do, and there will be for a long time. Yeah. There's um there's something called the Allen Institute, uh, run by a guy named Ornizioni, uh, funded by the late Paul Allen, and they're they're trying to solve for common sense, and and they're doing it by uh, I don't don't want to do this, but teaching AI to take sixth grade science test. Just answer those kinds of questions. So why does it mean uh, those sorts of things? And uh, and that's a that's like a whole center trying to, to solve that. And yep. so, so and why, why PandoraBotsThough.com? Why, why well, they posted a comment on one of my videos that uh, was like, hey, check it out. And I went and I tried it out and, and I threw all my normal questions at it. And it got a lot of them right. And so I wow. told me okay. I had to pick a, a, a favorite. That's the one I picked. Well, and it's going to be in the, the show notes. So, uh, Byron, I'm, I'm going to wrap things up right now. You must check out his book, The Fourth Age, Smart Robots, Conscious Computers, and the Future of Humanity. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, our marketing quote of the episode is, you can't sell anything if you can't tell anything by Beth. Comstock. It's one of my favorite quotes. If you enjoy our podcast, please write a review for us in the Apple Podcasts and Google Play apps, stores, and your reviews, because your reviews encourage us and help others to choose our podcast. Byron, once again, thank you so much for joining. And we're going to have another uh, podcast together because I have a great idea for the next one. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me.